0: welcome to the teaching ministry of the cause church we pray you will be encouraged challenged and blessed as you listen to the word of god uh, if you have your bible you could turn to matthew chapter 5 and as you are turning there uh, my son amos who came with me to church last night and is still here at service today with the, in the kids ministry He told me he wanted me to share with everybody that he scored not just one goal, but two goals on the soccer field yesterday. He's so humble, he didn't want to proclaim it on his own, but he demanded that I share that news with you. And I've reminded him, I said, I've reminded him, Amos, you are now up to four goals in playing four soccer games in all other Reeves have never scored one goal, so he's making little soccer history. So he's having fun with his first year playing soccer. So yeah, so very humble, just like his dad. So man had just undergone heart surgery at Mercy Hospital and was in the recovery room. A sister of Mercy, a nun, was at his bedside to reassure him that all went well. You are gonna be fine, Mr. Jones, however, we need to know how do you intend to pay for your hospital stay? Do you have insurance coverage? The man was still a little groggy and just replied, no, no, I don't. Is it possible for you to pay cash then? The nun persisted. No, I'm afraid that's not possible, Mr. Jones replied. Well, do you have any close relatives? The nun continued asking so that they can help you out. And he says, only my sister in Texas, but she's a humble spinster nun. Mr. Jones, I must correct you. Nuns are not spinsters for they are married to God, the nun explained. Man said, well, in that case, send the bill to my brother-in-law. So, (laughs) There you go, good. Thanks, Mark, appreciate it. It's always good to start with a little joke, try to lighten things up. When I was growing up on Friday nights, there was TGIF, it was a whole lineup of shows that were just awesome, right? Completely shaped our generation. Uh, there's, and in each of these shows, you would have different characters who ended up having kind of catchphrase that a lot of you still probably know them. One, obviously, if we go to Family Matters, which uh, we had Steve Urkel, right? And has one of the greatest questions of all times, right? Which was, yeah. did I do that, right? So it's like, you know, just one of this character's great lines. Another one was from Full House, Uncle Jesse and he had a catchphrase, right? Little different than Steve Urkel's, but it was it was have mercy. Do they have the picture up of Uncle Jesse and that hair is coming back. You know, Asher's asked to get a perm. We're like <laughs> Asher's a character, but that hair's coming back, right? Uncle Jesse, have mercy. Don't hold me to this, but I'm pretty sure he said it at least 46 times in the different episodes. So please don't binge watch and do a counter and then tell me that you did that. I'd be sad that you used that much time to do it. So, but if you're around somebody who you love, who is your significant other, you can say, have mercy to them. If you're not around somebody who's your significant other, say it in a more appropriate way. Hey, may the Lord have mercy on you, right? We're going to continue the blessed life series today from Jesus's teaching on the sermon on the mount in Matthew chapter 5. If you're there, uh, you're, I'd like to invite you to stand up. I'm going to read chapter, verse, chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, and we'll, we'll move on along today. And seeing the multitudes, he, Jesus, went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Father, we come before you today and just ask that you speak to us through me. Uh, Lord, I thank you that you're going to open ears you're going to open up hearts, God. You're going to minister something of power in lives, God. And it's going to, it's going to take be planted, take root, and have just an impact. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. As we've been studying the Beatitudes uh, over the past few weekends, uh, you can begin to see a difference. They begin to make a change. From verse 6 to 7, changing more from an inward focus of what God wants to do inside of us and how it will impact us and how we can walk in that that blessedness, that happiness, to an outward focus of actions that he, in, he calls us to Last week's sermon by Pastor John was phenomenal. I'd invite and encourage you to watch it if you haven't already. Uh, You know, do it while you're doing something else. But listen to it. It's a really great message on those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. We need to look at it a little bit again as a reminder of what he preached last week and as it helps us move forward here this week. Because if we don't understand the, that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled by, by God, we won't understand how we can have mercy on people, how we can be merciful and thus obtain mercy as well. The problem of, is that if we aren't filled with the righteousness that comes from God, then we're going to be full of other things that are not that, and it will prohibit us from showing the mercy that we are called to show. Jesus in his comments about this is is in some ways looking at the Pharisees, which if you have re- read the Bible, you realize that the Pharisees were religious leaders of that day who ended up being very self-righteous in many aspects because they believed they would follow the law and that following of the law was more important than anything else in the, for them. The problem with this self-righteousness and this following of the law is that they would often miss the, they miss the heart of the law in following the letter of the law. This self-righteousness would often lead to a self-acting law, which had them asking questions to Jesus like, who sinned, this person or his parents, that he was this way? And when that thinking begins to permeate, then it, it leads to thinking that suffering or trials or pain is all part of your own problem. Something that it's just you, it's part of your choices. And while sometimes that's the case, it's not, that's not always the case. But when you think that way, it also puts a block towards mercy. Because if you think you can obtain righteousness on your own, then you at some point think that mercy is something that we can attain as well. They were religious, the Pharisees were religious without mercy, and you could just say ouch to that because that is a painful combination. Mercy became unattainable because they saw things only from the perspective that you get what you deserve. And unfortunately, some of us know what that's like. Maybe you grew up in a family or a community or even a church where they operated by that perspective as well. Their rules and regulations You felt like that got in the way of a relationship with other people. They made mercy unobtainable. And unfortunately, maybe you left a church because of that and you felt that pain and you've turned your back on God or turned your back on God for a season because you thought if this is what your people are like, I want nothing to do with it. But that's not how the church should act, right? Blessed are the merciful. There's a religious formalism that's empty and with it, there's no extension of mercy. That's not how we're called to be, church. The self-righteousness of the Pharisees leads to struggling in any way to show mercy. In fact, it reminds me of a short clip from a movie that I want to show you. We do not train to be merciful here. Mercy is for the weak. Here on the street in competition, a man confronts you, He's the enemy. An enemy deserves no mercy. What is the problem, Mr. Lawrence? An enemy deserves no mercy, Pam. I like the oh my when it started to play things. An enemy deserves no mercy. That's how the Pharisees saw the people around them who weren't fulfilling the law that they felt like they were required to fulfill from the Lord, right? They were Cobra Kai, spiritually speaking, right? We don't want to be a Cobra Kai spiritual people. We don't want to be people who show no mercy. That's not how God wants it to be. That didn't just happen in the church or in the community at that time. It doesn't just happen in the church or community now. It happens outside the walls as well. The Roman culture was very much a merciless culture. Fathers had the right over their kids, their children, to to end their life at any point with no recourse for the actions of that. Right. If you know it, the phrase "no recourse," that means nobody can come back to them and ask them questions or punish them for those actions. That's how that's how the Roman culture operated. In fact, that right was then extended to masters over their slaves as well. It was a merciless culture, and that's part of the reason. As you read the Bible and you see what Jesus says about children or what Paul says about slaves, you realize that mercy is a huge component of it, and it flipped it on its head. One Roman philosopher said that mercy is a weakness of the soul. Now, if you think it's just left to the Romans to be merciless, I want to argue that I think our culture is pretty merciless today as well. We have a cancel culture fueled by echo chambers that have no mercy for each other. There's no mercy for each other. The news on either side goes after the other side mercilessly at its own discretion in an effort to completely ruin the other side. Social media, you have your trolls who just want to stir the pot with no mercy, you name it. The problem with this approach is that when you you operate by this approach, you make other people earn mercy. That's not how mercy is designed to be. Mercy is not something that can be earned like a wage. It's something that is given or received. And if we make other people earn our mercy, The problem is is that we either think we can earn God's mercy as well, which we can't, or we think that God will not give mercy to anyone, which he does. We live in that culture, a culture that's full of great judges of other sins, but are great lawyers of our own. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So what is mercy? Mercy is defined as compassion or forbearance to Shown to an offender or to another person. Culturally speaking, it's compassion maybe to the poor or needy or to the guilty. Which, by the way, spiritually speaking, we're all of those. And God has shown us his mercy, so we need to be thankful for that. In French, it just means thank you. You might get that later, that's all right. In the Greek, you're working backwards, right? See, you'll figure it out. You'll get what I mean. And the Greek definition, definition of mercy is literally to compassionate. The verb sense of being compassionate, putting compassion into action. So if we redefined or define this definition uh, or this uh, beatitude on blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy with a little bit more words, we can say happy because that's what blessed is. Happy are those who are full of active compassion to the destitute the troubled or broken for they will receive compassion actively when they are destitute, troubled or broken. Right? Happy are those who are full of active compassion to the destitute, troubled or broken for they will receive compassion actively when they are destitute, troubled or broken. So here's three simple truths about mercy today. One is that we are called to show mercy. Jesus said it, blessed are those who are merciful. We're called to show mercy. Two is everyone needs mercy. Everyone needs mercy. No one's exempt from that. And three is God's mercy to us is always greater. So if we're we're called to show mercy, we're called to show mercy. Some of Jesus's most scathing comments I mentioned were to the Pharisees who did not exhibit mercy to others And some of the prophetic rebukes to the people of Israel in the Old Testament were also to the people who were refusing to show mercy to others. The intent to follow the letter of the law missed out on the heart of the law. The laws became, they became their self-contained and they refused to see the heart behind it. In fact, in the book of Micah, that's what the correction was. Was about in Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, when the prophet writes, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the most high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with rams, uh, with, with, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? And then he goes even farther, right? He's saying, God, should I bring all this? Is that what's going to satisfy you? Is that what's going to make you happy? Then he goes farther. Shall I give my firstborn? And by the way, don't look at your kid and think that might not be a bad idea. Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression? Right? Shall I give the thing that's most important to me as for my transgression? Which is what the Lord did, by the way. That's just a little connection there. The fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. Then. It goes on, he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. It shouldn't have a question mark at the end. That's my fault. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's what the prophet was speaking from the Lord was telling the people. This is what you're called to do. We're called to show mercy. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. So how do we show mercy is a question that we should ask ourselves. Well, one is just have compassion and that might be it. That might be the whole thing. How do you show mercy? Well, have compassion. That's the main way to show mercy. Let me phrase it this way. I think the anatomy of mercy or of showing compassion can be described this way. We need to have eyes that see the distress of the destitute. We need to be able to see the need. We need to stop closing our eyes to what's going on to those around us, right? We need to not be so focused on what's happening in our lives that we refuse to see what's going on in those around us. Two is I think we need to have a heart that fills the pity of the troubled. We need to be moved by the need. I think it's easy for us to, to, to not have that soft heart. But I think what calling of us as believers is to have a heart that fills the pity of the troubled. We need to be moved by the need. And third is we need to have hands that act to help the broken so we can meet the need, right? We need to have compassion. Throughout the book of Matthew, if you kept reading after the Sermon on the Mount, you would see that as Jesus would travel, he would be interrupted at on different times at different places. And often the, the, what, how he would be interrupted would be in this phrase, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. There was a cry, there was a plea for Jesus to have compassion, to move, to act in their life. And Jesus would stop. He would stop and he'd ask, what do you want me to do for you? And then he'd let them ask, literally ask the Lord what they wanted to happen in their life. But Jesus would have compassion on them. It's interesting that mercy is more about giving a piece of our heart, not a piece of our mind, right? There's something powerful that happens when you give mercy is that you're giving something even greater to someone else. So we can have compassion to show mercy. Another way is by forgiving. In fact, you can probably preach that mercy and forgiveness just go hand in hand. You could probably make that whole whole sermon on it. The Bible has so much to say about forgiveness. We need to forgive because we've been forgiven. And then the Bible also encourages us to forgive and you will be forgiven, right? So we have both sides of it. When we forgive, we're extending God's mercy, and he's already done that to us. And sometimes we forgive, and God extends that mercy right back to us, and we're forgiven as well. We've been forgiven greatly by the Lord, and we're called to forgive greatly as well. Third way is just by giving, taking the practical, what God has placed in your hands and using it to impact the lives of others. When we do that, we're extending mercy. Jesus talks about what you've done to the least of these—you've done for me, right? If you're somebody's, if somebody's hungry, give them something to eat. If they want water, give them a cup of water. We can, when we do that, we're showing mercy. Another way, a fourth way is to testify or to share what God has done in your life, how he's been merciful to you. As we share or testify what God has done, we're, we're planting seeds of mercy in someone else's lives because what God has done in your life, he could do for someone else as well. He can do in my life as well. What he's done for me, he can do for you and so on and so forth. We, when we share about what God has done, we're extending God's mercy and last we can also pray, right? When we pray, sometimes we don't know how to act or what to do, but we can pray and we can lay it all down at the Lord's feet and he takes care of it. Zechariah 7:19 says, "Thus says the Lord of hosts, execute true justice, show mercy and compassion everyone to his brother." We're called to show mercy. The second thing is that everyone needs mercy. Even looking back at that verse I just read, execute true justice, show mercy and compassion, everyone to his brother. We're called to show mercy to everyone around us. Everyone needs mercy. Sometimes it's easier to show or extend mercy to those people who are closer to us and we love and where it's easier to do than those around us. Sometimes it's harder to do that, but we're called to show mercy even when we're at enmity or when we're at odds with somebody else. Not just when things are good. We're called to show it even when we're at enmity towards someone else or they're at enmity towards you. We're called to do it at both those times. I think there's four groups of people in our life that we need to show mercy to. One is I think we need to show mercy to people who make mistakes. In our life, we're going to be around people who will wrong us, both unintentionally, driving on the road, somebody cuts you off, does something crazy, you name it unintentionally or intentionally. And sometimes those intentional ones are deep, painful wounds, right? And it's hard to show mercy in that. But I want to tell you, I think that being merciful merciful, does not mean being boundaryless, right? So I think you can show mercy while still maintaining or creating a firm boundary that then protects you. I think we can do both. And I think we're supposed to do both. People will make mistakes towards us in our life. We need to show mercy to people who let us down. Maybe it's an unmet expectation, broken promise, business partnership that went bad, job situation, you name it. But we are called to show mercy to people who let us down. Third one is we're called to show mercy to people who are far from God. Because oftentimes that's the only way that they're going to see how the Lord can work in a healthy manner. Because when they're not, when people aren't walking with the Lord, they don't know what what health is. They don't know what it means to be a follower of Christ, except for from us as believers who show it to them. Just as Taylor Swift saying, haters going to hate, 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 shake it off. I think sinners are going to sin, sin, sin. So you got to shake it off too, Right. Pastor Bob, in his book, Dugout Talk, it, one, of the, one of the chapters or innings was called Shake It Off, so we're in full legal litigation over her use of that song, that phrase. We're going to claim full trademark of it as well. Yeah, I have done the an 80s and the 90s and somewhere in the 2000s reference, so you got spanning the decades. There's actually another group of people who we need to show mercy to, and I think they are, don't put it up yet, but it's... You know, it's actually Raiders fans. You know, just want you to know the silver and black today is I want you to know I'm a safe place to give you a hug because you need mercy. It's just a group of people in your life you have to show mercy to, right? I think that was completely from the Lord for sure. No, the fourth thing, the fourth group of people that we need to show mercy to is actually ourselves, right? It's really ourselves. We're our harshest critics all the time. And we're often our slowest forgiver, right? But that's not how God sees us. We're our harshest critic and our slowest forgiver, right? We need to lay it down at God's feet, let him show us mercy, and then you need to show mercy on yourself as well. We have endless mercy or an endless need for mercy from God. So we need to go before him and ask for it and let him give it to us. And often he'll give it to us as we give it to others as well. Everyone needs mercy. We're called to show mercy. Everyone needs mercy. And last and most importantly, God's mercy to us is always greater. It's always greater. We're in the middle of uh, our Connect Group series called The Miracle of Mercy, if you're not part of a small group, a connect group, talk to Pastor Judy. We'd love to get you involved. You can dive into this whole topic of mercy even deeper. If, you don't, if there's a group that doesn't work for, me, for you, we'll let you start one. We'll do something. But you can let the Lord work on you in an even deeper way with this topic on mercy because it's a powerful, powerful thing that as the Lord works on you, you begin to recognize what he's done as well. Another great place, you know, with not just our connect groups, that's a shorter time frame, but CR. Man, CR really helps you walk through mercy. So it's a powerful thing because they realize, both all these realize that God's mercy to us is always greater. It's always greater. In the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, it says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Right? Every morning we have new mercies from the Lord. Every morning we have new mercies from the Lord. This is written in the book of Lamentations. Lamentations is like a complaint, but it's pointed to God. So it's called a lament. If you complain to somebody else, it's just a complaint. So point your complaints to God and it becomes a lament that he can address in you. Right? If you complain to somebody else, then What are they going to do? Just commiserate with you? So they're not going to fix it most of the time. There's a lot of actually laments in the Bible. There's a lot in Psalms, which is why as we read Psalms, we recognize the realness within the Psalms. And in all these laments, there's always a point where it turns to a trusting of what God is going to do despite the situation. This one's so powerful because it reminds us his mercies are new every morning. We're not consumed. His compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. No matter what we do, his faithfulness is always greater. His mercies are always greater as well. Psalm 136, just the first three verses, but I could read the whole chapter. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. It's a call and repeat chapter. That would mean I would read it and the congregation would say the second part Give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercies endure forever. That's what the people would say, right? Oh, give thanks to the God of God. And then the people would say for his mercies endure forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of Lords for his mercies endure forever. Say for his mercies endure forever. You've just memorized half of Psalm chapter 136, right? Half the Psalm is for his mercies endures forever. So think about that. You could leave church having memorized half of a whole chapter of the Bible, right? The other work is memorizing all the ways that his mercy endures forever, right? It's a fundamental truth. God's mercies endure forever. God's mercies endure forever. No matter how merciful we are and we're called, we're happier when we're merciful. His mercies are, are always more so towards us. Now, it's interesting because in this passage of Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, the word for merciful is only used in one other place in the Bible. That word merciful, that same Greek word, is only used in one other place. And it's in the book of Hebrews. And the writer of Hebrews writes this, Therefore, in all things he, referring to Jesus, had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of God of people. Jesus was merciful to us because he has been in our shoes, or to say it even better, and the intent of this is he's been in our skin, fully God, fully man. He knows pain. He knows suffering. He knows hardship. He knows betrayal. He knows all of that. And so he can be merciful to us as we go through it. As as we go through it, he can extend that mercy to us. He can he, he knows exactly what we've gone through. If anyone has mercy for our situations, it's Jesus. We're never too far away from receiving His mercy. We're never too far away from it. He can extend that mercy to us. He can extend that mercy to us. No matter what you're facing, Jesus is merciful. We're reminded of that with the incarnation, how Jesus has been in our skin. And then we could look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, where the writer says, Let's therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. We can approach the Lord boldly because there we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Anytime we face a situation, we can come boldly to his throne. Right? And he's going to give us mercy and he's going to show us grace. And the thing is, is that we don't earn any of that. There's nothing we've done. We just approach him, right? We come boldly and we ask and trust him to do what only he can do. Friends, we're happy when we show mercy. Just as we're happy happy when we obtain mercy. As Jesus has been merciful to us, let's be merciful to others. And let's be merciful to others because Jesus has been merciful to us. We're called to show mercy, everyone needs mercy, and God's mercy to us is always greater. As I've been sharing here today, I'm sure some of you can probably think of different, a different person, somebody in your life, a person who maybe God's putting on your heart, I need to, I need to take a step, I need to do something to either show mercy, make, it, make something right, or I need to, I need to ask for mercy. And I'm sure that God has spoken to you during this time. And What I want to do right now is I want to give a moment of privacy where you could think about that for five to 10 seconds. Think, is there somebody, God, who I need to take a step and show mercy to here today? And as you think about that over the next five to 10 seconds, I'll come back and then I want to pray for all of us here today. So take a second right now to do that. with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, if there's somebody who is coming to your mind who you feel like the Lord wants you to show mercy to, or maybe you need to ask for mercy, just pop your hand up real quick, and it's just gonna be between you and the Lord, and I'm just gonna pray. So Father, I thank you. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. Lord, even blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. God, as as we give mercy, God, we know that we're given mercy. God, where there needs to be an action taken, God, we pray for the boldness and courage to make things right, make restitution, restoration. God, may there be healing that takes place. Lord, because we know that as we give or show mercy, God, that there actually is a freedom that comes with that as well. Because it's not the other person who's in bondage, it's us. And those bondages begin to be broken off as we give and show freedom to those, uh, give and show forgiveness to those around us. So, Lord, as there's a mercy, Lord, a wave of mercy that hits, God, we pray that the chains are broken off. Lord, and a freedom can be stepped into. Lord, a freedom of forgiveness, of Lord, a, a, a healing of that pain, God. We thank you for this. In your son's name we pray right now. And everybody says amen. Maybe some of you are in here and, you know, you got invited by family or friend and you joined us at church. You're watching online. Right now, and you don't know how you even ended up here, but it's because I think the Lord wants you to be in a right relationship with him. And friends, that's not because of anything that we can do. In fact, the justice of the Lord, which God is completely just, just as he's completely merciful and he's completely gracious, but the justice, God is just, means that there's a payment for our sin, our wrong, right? It says the wages of sin is death. That's how the Bible describes it. Our sin separates us from the God. There's nothing we can do uh, to pay the penalty for our sin except for in our life, shedding of blood. But friends, the good news is that God is also merciful and he sent his son on our behalf to pay that penalty. So his justice has been atoned for by the payment of Jesus on the cross. And his mercy now can extend to us and we, we're not getting what we deserve, which is death. In fact, now we get a gracious gift of life when we make Jesus the Lord of our life. Friends, if you're here right now and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to invite you to do that right now. So again, with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, I want to make that invitation for you. If you're not walking with the Lord and you'd like to, you'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life right now, go ahead and raise your hand so I can see you. And, so I can see you. So if that's you and you're not walking with the Lord and you'd like to raise your hand and let me know. Father, we thank you for the men and women in here, God. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy, God, as we pursue you. God, let us Let us receive your mercy and become conduits of it to others as well. Lord, your mercy endures forever. We love you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714 255 0930